0: Every day, discoveries deep within the universe unravel life's biggest mysteries in the cosmos and on Earth. From determining the legacy that fallen white dwarf stars leave behind or uncovering strange evidence on a popular dwarf planet, our planets and stars continue to provide groundbreaking insight into what makes living possible. And the latest findings in space have astronomers pondering life in distant galaxies and rethinking life's stellar origin story one surprising discovery at a time. Welcome to the Abstract Podcast from Inverse. I'm Tanya Bustos, your host. In our first story, scientists discover white dwarf stars are the main origin of carbon atoms in the Milky Way. Contributing more to life in the cosmos than previously believed, researchers have finally determined how carbon expands across the cosmos and how Death Stars became a primary source for one of the building blocks of existence. Our second story is about the latest study suggesting Pluto originated with a hot interior and may still have an ocean lying beneath its icy surface. Rewriting the beloved dwarf planet's history once more, scientists hope that where there's warm water, there could be life, making living in distant worlds suddenly seem possible. This is The Abstract, a look at the latest scientific discoveries and technology innovations from the reporters at Inverse. In each episode, we explore a single theme through two different stories. Up now. A look at the latest research suggesting that white dwarf stars are the main source of the chemical element known to be crucial to all life.
1: Let's talk about carbon. Carbon is a fantastically important element. You may have heard that carbon is the element of life, but what does that mean? What makes carbon so important for life? Carbon is everywhere in the ecosystem. Pine trees, bumblebees, and swiss
0: cheese. What do these all have in common? Carbon. Carbon, the element of life, but why? White dwarfs? Anyone? 90% of all stars in the universe end up as white dwarf stars. A white dwarf is what stars like the sun become after they've exhausted all of their nuclear fuel. According to a study published July 2020 in the journal Nature Astronomy, white dwarf stars are the main source of carbon atoms in the Milky Way. Over billions of years, these stars start to cool down, and right before they collapse, their remains get transported through space winds that originate from their bodies. The stellar ashes that remain? Loaded with carbon. Carbon is the fourth most abundant chemical in the universe and is a key element in the formation of life as it is the basic building block to most cells. All of the carbon in the universe originated from stars. Therefore, the phrase that we are all made of stars is not only poetic, but pretty accurate. Inverses, Pesent Rebe is back to tell us all about it. Hey, Pesent, how's it going? Good, how are you? Good. So I didn't realize how prominent white dwarf stars were, but essentially the bulk of stars end up this way. So white dwarfs are
1: underestimated stars. (laughs) They make up 90 percent of all stars in the universe because they when stars like our own sun run out of fuel, they turn into white dwarfs. And the sun is the most common type of star in the universe. And as are white dwarfs, the remnants of these types of stars.
0: So prior to this study, we had not known that these stars are essentially the main source of carbon atoms in the Milky Way. How huge a deal is that considering, you know, carbon is that element known to be so crucial to all life?
1: Yeah. So carbon, it's the fourth most abundant uh, element in the universe. And it's also one of the crucial uh, building blocks of life itself. That's where it all began. And scientists weren't exactly sure which star contributed the most amount of carbon to the universe until they figured out it was the white dwarf star.
0: How did they finally manage to figure out that this was the case? So they observed white dwarfs
1: in star clusters, which are a group of like a few thousand stars. They observed them in the Milky Way and they uh, measured their initial final mass relation, which is the relationship between the mass of a star when it was first formed and their masses as white dwarfs. So it would be like the mass of the sun right now. And eventually it's mass when it turns into a white dwarf.
0: So then is it fair to say we're pretty much made up of white dwarf stars, you know? Sure. Yeah. Now we can be more specific.
1: About if you want to flex your knowledge, you can say, actually, we're all made of white dwarf stars mainly.
0: So can this new information provide us with something new to think about? How critical is this finding big picture? Does this make a big universe a little smaller? Are we understanding more and is there more to learn from?
1: So I think we, we realize that, you know, the source of all life comes from these very typical regular stars that are spread out across the universe. So it just, I think it helps us understand our origin story a little bit better and understand how life came to be a little bit more. It's just one more clue
0: that we have right now. Good. Interesting stuff, as always. percent thank you so much. Thank you. As Virgin Orbit gears up for new missions, it hopes equipping a Boeing 747 with a launcher rocket could help change the satellite launching game. Up now, how a unique approach to spaceflight could change the face of the small satellite industry.
1: So, what changed? Well, Pluto hasn't, but our understanding of it has.
0: It seems like we've been asking that question about Pluto for years now. One thing about Pluto? It has a notorious past. In August 2006, the Cold World was officially demoted from a budding planet of the solar system to a dwarf planet located in the outer solar system known as the Kuiper Belt. Over a decade later, it's a hot-button issue in the astronomy community. Case in point, if you go there with NASA Administrator Jim Bridenstine, you could be met with something like this. And
1: just, I see people writing, just so you know, in my view, Pluto is a planet. (laughs) And you you can write that the NASA Administrator declared Pluto a planet once again. I'm sticking by that. It's the way I learned it, and I'm committed to it.
0: Here's what astronomers did agree on, though, that Pluto likely formed as an icy sphere. However, images captured by new horizons of Pluto's surface suggest that the beloved dwarf planet actually started off hot with a liquid ocean. Here's more from NASA Science. The weather on Pluto is even more complex than we imagined. Another recent New Horizons discovery is landslides on Pluto's moon Charon. These are the first landslides seen in the Kuiper belt. The discoveries are far from over. Over the next few years, scientists on the New Horizons team will be scrutinizing the data. Today, Pluto is a freezing cold world with a surface temperature of about negative 380 degrees Fahrenheit. However, research suggests that early on in its ancient history, Pluto had a higher chance of being habitable. A study published June 2020 in the journal Nature Geoscience not only increases the chances of Pluto having been livable at some point, it also increases the potential for habitability for distant icy objects in the rest of the Kuiper Belt. Here to explain more on the latest Pluto rewrite is Inversus and Rebier. Hey, Pessent. How are you? Good. This uh, New Horizons mission, that really provided such a, a groundbreaking look in terms of Pluto and everything about it. Then the idea surfaces that Pluto might have gotten a hot start to its beginnings. What about this mission and, and what we gleaned from it made this theory so believable?
1: Yeah, so it was the first one to sort of observe the planet up close. I mean, because it, it is so far away, it's been harder to send missions out there. But this one, I was able to probe it from a closer distance. So we're able to get more, understand more about uh, the planet's geology, basically. And by knowing that, we were able to kind
0: of retrace its early history and how it started off. Because, you know, it it had always been sort of known as this icy, cold planet from the start. What evidence was there that suggested that, you know, that basically turned this around on its head? Right. So
1: the study found that if Pluto had started off cold like it is today, the ice would have melted in its core and... And when that happens, water tends to contract when it melts. So we would have seen that evidence of this process of water contracting on the surface of Pluto. But instead, when scientists observed the geology of Pluto, they found actually expansion features, which means that water would have frozen over time, which means that Pluto had started off hot and then sort of became colder over time.
0: So on top of that, the study also suggests Pluto may have formed you know, over 30,000 years and saw many different types of weather in that time, making it hot enough for even an ocean to form. Yeah, so planets um, tend to suffer
1: through several impacts, especially during their early early history when things were a little bit more chaotic in the solar system. There were lots of just rocky objects kind of flying around, and sometimes they would hit the planet, and that impact would create heat. So the heat would heat up the surface of the planet, and that's what might have resulted in Pluto having... a possible ocean, a liquid ocean.
0: Then that opens back the question of habitability, right? Does this is change everything about what we know about the Kuiper Belt and and habitat. Ultimately,
1: we kind of dismissed all uh, objects of the Kuiper Belt as being habitable because we just thought they all had this cold start to them; they were all like cold and frigid in the beginning. But now that we have this new evidence, then not only rewrites Pluto's history, but it could rewrite the history of all these other similar objects.
0: Seems like there's still a big vested interest in Pluto. Do you feel like we'll sort of focus more on Pluto as, you know, we start to learn more about this and there's still that popularity about it?
1: Yeah, I mean, even though Pluto was demoted from our a planet, it's still everyone's favorite. People are still going hard for Pluto, still defending its planet title. And and so it's remained very popular still because people love an underdog, I guess. <laughs> so I think it's definitely interesting to look into this further because even if it is a dwarf planet, maybe we should still consider the habitability of these types of objects despite their small size and despite the the current state that they're in.
0: Full story is at Inverse.com. Paseb, thank you so much. Thank you. Head to Inverse.com to read more about how private space companies are looking to shake up space travel. You can click on the link in the show notes for all stories we talked about today. If you agree that science and facts matter more than ever, give us a rating and review on iTunes to help more people find The Abstract and other podcasts like it. New episodes of The Abstract are released three times a week. Find old episodes and more original reporting on science, innovation, culture and entertainment at Inverse.com. Look for The Abstract Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever podcast app you use. For Inverse, I'm Tanya Bustos. Thanks for listening.